Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Coach Radical, same boat on Soho Service. Thanks for joining me this week. I like this. All about being grateful, complicated relationships with faith. This is what we like here on Soho Service. <laughs> Isn't it my sort of thing? Um, and all of that sort of stuff actually we discussed with Mohammed Yaya later on. Um, what's been going on this week then? I guess quite a lot. But yeah, things are getting back to normal. Um, I know I've been back to synagogue. I've been back once, which has been quite exciting. Um, I'm going back for the first time on Saturday morning, which is which was yesterday. Um, but tomorrow, time of recording. Quite excited, a bit nervous. I'm not entirely too fond of having to wear face masks, but it's what we've got to do. You gotta do what you gotta do. Okay. Do let me know if you like the show, if you're enjoying it. You can get in touch at Shmuizik on Twitter or at Soho Radio as well. Let me know if you're enjoying it. I'm gonna give you a shout out next time. So I'll give a shout out to my friend Natalie who's listening um, at the moment and my cousins as well who always listen to the show. It's Kate and Samantha. Shout out to all of you lot. Let's keep going there. Let's move on. Play one more song and then we're gonna get Muhammad Yaya on. I've become obsessed entirely and completely with Phoebe Bridges. Her new album's fantastic. This is the last song on it. I know the end. It's just beautiful. Somewhere in Germany, but I can't place it. Man, I hate this part of Texas. Close my eyes, fantasize. Three clicks and I'm home. We're very lucky this week to be joined um, by Mohammed Yaya, who's a rapper, performer, um, educator based in London. Um, Mohammed came to my attention a few weeks ago when I played one of his songs, Say Mashallah, on the, sh- on the show. Um, I got a few comments afterwards saying how great it was, thought it was fantastic, and it's, I'm, I feel so privileged to have you on the show, Mohammed. Welcome. Uh, thank you so much, brother. What I think might be a great way to begin is if you can give me an overview, perhaps, of your story. Soho Service, the show that we're doing, um, is a lot about you know religious life in London cultural life in London I think your journey to London in itself was quite fascinating so would you be able if you don't mind sort of give a brief brief overview of how you ended up here and how that came to be yeah so basically uh I was born in Mozambique southeast Africa a very beautiful country that's surrounded by five other countries and um I was born five years after Mozambique gained its independence from Portugal so it really should have been a time where we should have been rebuilding the country, uh, building new laws, and, you know, it should have been a, a, a time of joy and happiness. But instead, two different political parties started fighting for power, which led to a civil war that lasted for 16 years. So I was born right amongst that civil war. And in order to survive, my parents decided to take myself, take me and my sisters to 
Portugal. So we fled to Lisbon, the capital of Portugal, and that's where I resided until I was 10 years old. So my first language is Portuguese. And then I moved to London with my father. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean that that must have been quite a quite a childhood sort of growing up, and and also just a difference in culture, I guess. Um, I know you were quite young when it all happened, but sort of did you did you see that change? Did you manage to sort of experience that that difference in in culture and uh, that was going on around you? I mean, I was two years old when I left Mozambique, so I I uh, my earliest memories are of Portugal, but growing up in Portugal, I was constantly reminded that I was different. So I was the only person of color in my school, the only male, the only male of color, you know, in my school for years. So I was always treated very, very different. There was a lot of rape. Portugal had a lot of racism in the education system. My father experienced a lot of racism in at work. And even like when we would go out to play or when we would go to a shop, we would experience a lot of racism. And I feel that was why hip-hop kind of played such a big role because um it was the first time that i was actually uh first time i saw people who look like me uh being represented on tv in a very positive way you know i remember seeing uh queen latifah and like old school rappers like i was super super young wearing these big african pendants and these hats that make them look like kings and noble people you know like so it, it really empowered me but I didn't understand what they were coming from or what they were saying. It's only when I moved to London and my English developed that I was able to understand that they were addressing issues and difficulties uh, that I also experienced socially. Mm. You know, so I think that's why I fell in love with hip hop. Yeah. And that that's really fascinating because that comes through in your music, I think, you know, as well as mm-hmm. having the sort of standard, you know, standard sort of hip hop influences you see also a lot of influences from africa it's almost like a return mm-hmm. to africa after sort of you know with the knowledge that you have the sort of you have now that you didn't have then that makes sense absolutely 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 yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and could you so what what were those do you have sort of you said a queen of tea for another what, what were those if influences are now today what sort of influences are do, do exist that sort of you i mean uh, uh, one in- interesting thing to say is that my father was actually also uh, amongst many things he was a singer in mozambique so mm. music has always been a part of my household and my mother i cannot remember a day where she wouldn't be playing music while she's cleaning or cooking or doing uh, household tasks. So music was a really, it played a major role uh, in, in, in my, um, my childhood. And um, another thing is that we didn't have, we didn't have access to literature. So after yeah. leaving the country that we were born, we, we, we didn't have like news telling us, you know, this is what's going on or there wasn't stuff on TV and there wasn't no literature. So a lot of times music played this role of a social uh, commentary of what's going on so we would find out about things that are going on for what the artists would say yeah and it wasn't just about mozambican artists but that uh, kind of a wider community uh, afro-portuguese because portugal colonized five countries in uh in uh in in africa it was uh mozambique but also cape verde guinea-bissau Tome, and angola so all the music from all of those countries really really be connected with there because they would speak uh, they, a lot of times the musicians would sing in their own language, but also in Portuguese. So we understood and we felt like we were part of the same struggle. There, there were artists like back then, like um, Bonga, who's from Angola. He play, he played a really, really big role. And um, I actually recently wrote an article about five musicians that inspired me or affected, you know, 
uh, and Bonga was definitely one of them. He played a big role representing the people and the voice, amplifying the voice of uh, people. Um, but I mean, in terms of hip hop, it's, it's so many different genres uh, within hip hop that I listen to, and also depending on what what age or what year, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, it's very very vast. <laughs> yeah, it's very vast, and you you really hear that in the music. I think it really comes through, and I think for you know there are a lot of there's a lot of music out there that you know people like to listen to just because it's fun to listen to. But that I don't think you can listen to any of your songs or any of any of the music you produce and and say there's no clear you know imperative behind the music you're writing. There's no clear sort of this is what we want to be doing. What what made you want to sort of write music like that specifically? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think again, one uh, it's the influence from artists I listen to. I I always loved artists that were able to uh, engage with their audience musically, sonically in a really creative way, but yet mm-hmm. portray, uh, spread a positive message. Whether it's us going to Jamaica and listening to reggae, mm-hmm. conscious reggae, you know, whether it's Bob Marley or even more or underground reggae artists, whether mm. we go to American people like Nina Simone, whether we go to Nigeria and we listen to Fela Kuti, who was addressing political issues, very political, very outspoken um, musician, um, you know, or whether we go to Angola, like I was saying, and, and, and listening to artists such as Bonga, all of these artists use their platform. So, and even, I mean, one of my favorite commercial pop artists is Michael Jackson. Um, a lot of the music that he created of me growing up was addressing issues such as racism. He was addressing um, uh, uh, the, our relationship with the environment. So there was always a positive social political message to it. You know, so that's why I was always drawn to artists that were able to just to to, to create more than just music that was for entertainment purposes. Yeah. And uh, and uh, on top of that, like being inspired by uh, my faith and who I am, that also I try to also put that into my music because ultimately art is a reflection of yourself. So things that uh, that I'm uh, I'm passionate about are reflected in my art. A hundred percent, and I, that that's a re- I really like that point that art's a reflection of yourself. What we haven't mentioned yet, but of you know you you are a religious a religious Muslim, and and that that again is that's sort of the other side. You say social justice comes into your music, but religion certainly plays a large part as well. Um, how did how did that, if you don't mind, sort of how did that happen? Were you did you grow up religious? Was that was that something that was always a part of your life, or and how did you no. then decide? Yeah, and how did you then decide to sort of merge that with what you know and some parts of hip hop, you know. Uh, quite irreligious to be honest in some in some yeah. ways um how did yeah. you but you managed to find a way of those two working together yeah yeah good that's 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 a great question um uh, so first of all i wasn't raised as a religious person both my parents believed in god but believed in a higher force but it never pushed me to follow any any religious path actually my father said that religion is more than what you do in a mosque on a friday and more than what you do uh, more than what you do in the church on Sunday. So he said, when you grow up, you follow your own path. Funny enough, he came from a multi-religious um, household because my grandmother, my father's mother, was a Muslim who fell in love with a man of color. She was Asian uh, and she fell in love with a, with a black African man who was actually Catholic. So that was a big, big no-no in Mozambique. So my father would go to uh, Catholic school, but also uh, attend the mosque, you know? 
So he already had an insight to both faiths and he didn't want to push or force anything on me, but he decided to allow me to choose my own path. And at the age of 13, I decided to become a born again Christian by myself. And I was very involved in church and attending a lot of study circles and things like that. But by the time I was 16, 17 years old, I moved away from church and started looking into other paths. I looked into Buddhism. At one point, I grew locks and I was kind of following a more Rastafarian kind of path until I traveled to Gambia, which is situated in West Africa. Um, and at the time, I didn't know much about the country. I didn't know that 95% of the population were Muslim. Uh, all I knew about Gambia is that Kunta, uh, uh, many of us have watched a film or the series called uh, Roots. And uh, I knew that Kunta Kinte was from there. So I wanted to go and visit there. And after I left that country, I was deeply touched by the the humility of the people and the kindness and the way they live their lives. And I would constantly ask them why they would do things. And they would tell me, you know, because this is what my, my spiritual path teaches us. And um, uh, most people in Gambia, like I said, they're 95% Muslim and uh, sp specifically of a Sufi inclination, which is a, 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 a kind of sect within Islam. Mm. And I was very, very, uh, inspired and just curious about that. So I started looking more into Sufism. And uh, yeah, shortly after I came back from Gambia, I converted to Islam. And, uh, and that's, how, that's how I became Muslim. But mm. in terms of the music and hip hop, it's interesting because like you said, you rightfully, uh, very, very, uh, a lot of hip hop is, is it, it kind of goes very, a lot of the messages propagated in, in hip hop tracks are very, uh, kind of contradictory to to religious morals, you know. Like, but at the same time, actually, there's a hip hop and Islam have always played a big, big role. From artists such as like mm. Public Enemy, people going salam and peace, and five, mm. you know, there's five pillars in Islam. There's five elements of hip hop. Like, all of these different yes, things. Yes, I like know? that. So, yeah, but but there's there, there's like literally dozens in like a lot of rappers that I grew up listening were either also Muslim or inspired by Islam or offshoots of Islam. You look at a lot of Wu-Tang members and now become Orthodox Muslims. Uh, the earlier members were like um, part of the gods and earth. So they would still say Salaam and peace. So those elements that they were inspired either by Islam or by movements such as like the Nation of Islam or movements such as the Noble Drew Ali movement, you know? Mm. So a lot of them were, were it, there was always been a, a deep, deep connection. And you look at more recent artists like Lupe Fiasco or, I mean, in the UK, it's just like too many, but in, even in the US, there's just like so, so many artists. So I, I always thought it was cool when artists represented, proudly represented their faith. Mm. And it, does, it didn't matter to me what it was, but it, especially when it made their music more deeper, more spiritual and more positive. That's really interesting. And that's something before we came on, we, we spoke about was that this idea of, you know, what, what I wouldn't say what you produce, although your music is incredibly religious and it, it's music that um, I, you know, I think anyone listening to it in a second will know that you've been inspired religiously um, in, in, in the messages that you give across. I wouldn't also, I also wouldn't call it worship music. It's not, it's not music exactly. that's, sort of, that's sort of meant. And, and so, so you sort of, you see your music as sort of being, inspired by faith rather than and does that i mean would that occur also throughout the writing process 
um, when you write? When you um, I don't. I don't purposely try to create stuff that's religious or stuff. Mm. Otherwise, I'd be, you know. But even within that, it's it's interesting because in more conservative spaces, um, you know, people conservative Muslim spaces, um. I would often be asked to perform like more religious, like they would say religious stuff. And I say, but is it just talking about the God and is it just talking about God and prophets that's religious? If I've got a song, for example, I've got, I've got a song called Earth Cry and it's about our relationship with the environment. For me, that's equally as religious. I might not be taught, you know, me, my conduct with the earth or my conduct with another human being or passing certain, you know what I'm saying? So for me, that's equally as, as important and as religious as a song dedicated specifically to prayer or to God, you know, because all of it is connected. For me, it's, it, 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 yeah, it's all connected, yeah. But um, I don't try to make specific, like, religious worship songs. I just try to express myself. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it's happy stuff, sometimes it's sad, sometimes it's painful things, but it's whatever that I'm going through. Uh, at, the, at, the, at the moment is, you know, a reflection of what I create. At the same time, I guess, as well as creating music that reflects your religious um, ethos and, and sort of just how you're feeling and religion, as you say, comes into that, do you find mm-hmm. that, re- that music um, or other art sort of helps you religiously? Do you use it to sort of connect to God as well? Do, do you find that... Is there, oh, is there music yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, for example, I find the reggae music like super spiritual, mm. super, super spiritual. Um, I, and I love like artists of, of completely different. I like, I love uh, Matisse Yahoo's like old music, mm-hmm. you know, love his stuff. Um, there's other Jewish rappers. There's a, a guy, again, I used to love his old, old stuff. Why love? Mm-hmm. Um, th- you know, there's like a whole bunch of them. And, I, and I've worked. I mean, um, uh, with 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 a Jewish rapper for many many years. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that, that's 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 a very good you know good segue actually because you know that was one that was one of the ways I sort of I, I was sort of scouring the internet for sort of for interesting and different um, religious projects and things and, and that was it's called Lines of Faith, isn't it? That 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 project. That that's, you, correct. that's correct. That's correct. That's correct. Remind me of, of the name of the of the other of, of your your partner um, that you do that with. That's... So his uh, his name is Daniel Daniel Silverstein, but he used to go by Danny Raphael. That was his artist name, and he's a really really dope. Like uh, he's a, he's a remarkable human being. He was actually studying theology in Cambridge and uh, comparative religion, I believe. And one of his teachers, the, Dr. Michael Mumisa, was also my teacher for Islamic jurisprudence. So um, separately. Outside and uh, he he thought that we should connect because we were both doing like at the time some youth work. We were both putting on events where we were trying to bring different communities together, you know, really promoting social cohesion and stuff. And he's like, "You guys like, and you're both artists." It started off with us putting on one event, and then after a while, we had like recorded a whole EP worth of music. We had a band, Rastafarian guy. We had Daniel, who was obviously. Jewish me who's Muslim we had a Jewish clarinet player we had a, a, a Muslim bass player it was just like a super dope band and you know we performed in some festivals we me and Daniel traveled to places like Germany we traveled like to Connecticut in America to do Trinity Festival and and it was really really dope and um 
I like the the element of education, which we also brought because we would go to often to schools and do a lot of workshops and um, teach people comparative religion, but for using hip hop. Mm. 100%. That was something I really, I sort of really took my interest, I think. And because I, I don't know, I think that as much as um, London as a city is incredibly multicultural and it has, you have people who, who sort of live in all these really vibrant communities and, and within themselves, the communities have got, got a lot going on. But sometimes, at least I've I found living here, that within the communities, it's very hard then to get out and to actually meet people who are in other communities and to sort of, for those communities to mix so well. But that was, that was sort of one of the main pr- points of the Lions of Faith project, wasn't it? And how, how, how did you go about that? And how, how was that to do? Did you, you must have seen kids meeting that really just have never, never met before. Different- Absolutely. And it's so dope because, you know, I had a reach to a certain audience and Daniel had a reach to a completely different audience. So we would put on really dope events where we would bring artists like from different faiths, but not just rappers and poets and singers, but also like graffiti artists. Uh, you know, so uh, there was uh, Muhammad Ali from Birmingham who would do like an Arabic piece saying mm. salam with someone who would do the same thing, shalom in, in, in Hebrew letters. So it would be really dope. It was all about amalgamation. And um, that also gave birth to other projects, you know. So, for example, I was freelancing at West London Synagogue for over a year delivering a lot of projects there for over mm-hmm. seven years. Uh, I did a project uh, called um, Piece by Piece, where, again, we would, get, we would uh, every year get a new group of uh, teenagers, young teenagers from a Jewish school, as well as from a madrasa, from a Muslim school, and over six months deliver a whole bunch of different workshops, really creative, fun stuff, educational stuff. And at mm-hmm. the end of the project, we would take them to Morocco, and we would travel there. And from that, and they would explore historical things and, uh, you know, how Muslims live side by side and just try and teach them and, sh- and provide a different narrative to what they're often used to hearing. But from that, beautiful friendships were created up to now. And for us, it's about trying to plant those little seeds in these communities to try and encourage more social cohesion, more community, uh, you know, unity. Why, did, why do you think, music specifically and, and rapping and why would that have sort of cr- helped um as you know bridge those divides and, and and help um create sort of cohesion what was it about music do you think that allows for that to happen yeah i think the music is a universal language and hip-hop specifically is one of the most used art forms in the world across the world you see like very familiar uh genres of music which are massive but it might be in one part of the world, you know? Mm-hmm. But like hip-hop, wherever there's young people, hip-hop exists. That You could not name one country. Like you wouldn't think, for example, outside of America, I don't know if the statistics are still up to date, but outside of America, the country that has got the most amount of hip-hop crews is Senegal. So you wow. wouldn't think, oh my God, you understand? So that's like all the way in West Africa. And this is what I mean. Whether it's like... Um, uh, literally, whether it's China, whether it's Iran, like today, I just finished doing a whole uh, working on a on a on a summer camp with a it's called Syrian summer camp, mm. and I was working on on a project with like a rapper which is from France, but also Haiti, and uh, another rapper from uh, Iran, and uh, uh, you know, so it's like you have hip-hop that exists all over the world. And that's the beautiful thing. And it, it connects with the youth. And that's, that's what it's really about, because it's the youth that are going to make the changes for the future. 
A hundred percent. I mean, and speaking of change, I guess the future sort of brings up two points. I mean, firstly, you know, in the short term, um, the future of, of, of what's going to happen over the next few years and, and even, you know, being able to, as much as, you know, the, the technology has brought us together in a way that over the past year that otherwise we would never been able to, to do in the current circumstances. Um, it's still, there is the sort of some actual physical distance between us now that sort of we haven't felt for a long time. Um, how, how has sort of, how has that affected you? I suppose, you know, even in, in your practice, I guess, being able to, you know, being a religious Muslim, not being able to go to a mosque and, and not being able to sort of practice in the same way that you normally would have done. Mm-hmm. Okay. In terms of how it affected me in my practice, a hundred percent. I really felt it this Ramadan, mm-hmm. uh, because usually it's a, it would be a time where, you know, we'd be fasting, but in the evening, when it's time to break and fast, we usually go to friends' house, we go to different events, and you get to, it's a time where you get to see people who you care about deeply and you don't often see. So that's the time where you really break fast and you pray together and you eat together. And there's something really beautiful about that. And also invite, uh, I always, every year, I always invite like non Muslims to join me, to, to pray, to, to fast with me, to break. We couldn't do none of those things. We couldn't attend events. We couldn't attend congregational prayers. I also spend usually the last 10 days of Ramadan. I usually travel to a Sufi village in Senegal uh, mm-hmm. called Medina Bay. And I spend my last 10 days like in a lot of worship in, in, in that Sufi village. And I wasn't able to do that. So it, was, it felt very, very strange. But at the same time, um, it made me go more into myself and do more self-reflection and spend more time alone. So I was also grateful for that. Mm-hmm. that's a really positive way of looking at it i guess and i i you know we also you know the situation in africa unfortunately it's you know it was as we're sort of now coming out of it it's sort of getting worse over there so i guess you know all our prayers are, are sort of over in that in, the, in those regions that are sort of still suffering so much for sort absolutely of at the moment um the, the other thing when we're sort of talking about the present day and sort of current events um i guess looking at looking you know if you go on to you know your band camp or just your twitter like or everyone's twitter the past month um has been sort of overtaken um by sort of the nor- the news from america with george floyd and then and then in london and everywhere else um and 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 that i know that's something that sort of you know affected you quite a lot you you wrote um dirty police was sort of your latest single i'm um, just sort of reflect that because you want to talk about that a bit and sort of how that how that song came to be yeah yeah so that song just <laughs> came from a place of just um feeling exhausted by the level of systemic racism that exists within our communities that many people have um, haven't had to deal with it or discuss it or easily brushed under the carpet because it didn't affect them. And it's something that I experienced a lot in Portugal and I experienced here and from traveling to America frequently to perform and because I have so many of my close friends and supporters from there as well, like reading stuff. And it just deeply affected me. I mean, I, I'm against injustice to anybody. So, um, yeah, I was just really, really upset by the, by the murder of George Floyd, who's just one of like thousands of people who have experienced that. And it's just now I'm happy that we've got social media and we're able to share information a lot quicker, a lot easier. And um, yeah, so I had to do that as a response. But funny enough, one one of my, and it wasn't. Some people felt it was an attack on all police, and I and I constantly try to exp- explain to people that it's it's dirty the police the police that are doing a dirty job, the police that are abusing their power, 
the police that have been given uh, the honor of being able to protect civilians and instead they're abusing their power instead of the kind of murdering the same people that they're there to protect and to serve, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, actually one of my older sisters is a police, works for the police force, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, but yeah, that, that, that was a song and it had to, I had to get it out of my system because it's sometimes that, that, that's all you can do. You know, it's just something is just growing and I had to give birth to that, you know? A hundred percent. I think that that's sort of what music can allow, can't it? It sort of, it, it allows for that sort of catharsis and sort of reflection. Um, I think a lot of us need at the moment. Um, we're going to play that now. It's Dirty Police um, by Mahala Jaya. You know, this wasn't the first song that you've written about these issues as well. Um, in 2016, you did Black Man Strain as well, um, which is a, yes. a, a, you know, a, a piece with, do you know what, could have been written a month ago, which is sort of a crazy <laughs> thing. Um, and, exactly. and as much as much as we laugh, like it's, I, I, and again, you said before that there was some sense of exhaustion that you felt. Um, but how, because there's some sense in which these messages, you know, the, what you write, what you say in Black Man Strain, ideas of, you know, um, uh, just, you know, police violence and, and the way black men are treated. And then you, you wrote, you mm-hmm. actually say in that song we just heard, you say, I said it for years, nothing new. Um, how do you remain, not even positive, but even just able to keep fighting and, and, and sort, of, sort of speaking out against something with, with the, you know, with the idea that things might improve? How does it not, how do you not stay, get cynical after all this time with sort of little change occurring? Yeah, it, it's a good question. Sometimes it is difficult when we, we're human beings, you know, we're heavily affected by different energies. And there's times where it does become disheartening, but it's so much more bigger than me. Um, I remember reading some, somewhere that Bob Marley said, um, this is after, in, when he was supposed to do, I don't know if... It, he was supposed to do a peace concert and he had been shot uh, a few days before and no one thought that he was going to come out and he still came out and did the concert. And when they asked him why he did it, he said, look, people who are trying to make the world the worst place are not taking a day off. So mm. why should I? Wow. And that's why it's important. There are people who are, who unfortunately are putting negativity into the world. So we need to counter counterbalance that by, by putting more love and spreading more love and putting more positivity into the universe and be able to balance that. We've all got some, there's always something that we can do, whether it's for your art or providing a platform just like you have for artists such as myself and for people to listen to this, for, to, to listen to, to the music that we create. So thank you so much. And also to the listeners because they'll share it to, with other people. So I feel that everyone has got a role to play. And once we understand it, we can't run away from it. It's actually, a, for me, it's like a social responsibility. Um, let's talk about two sort of. Two, I've got two more sort of uh, songs that I sort of want to discuss with you quickly before we sort of end off. Um, one which I thought was really interesting, um, a, a piece that you wrote called "Escape," um, and, 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 and well, it's a, a really great um, song. We'll play it in a minute. Um, but it's all it talks a, a lot, and, and I'd love you to sort of explain it further. But a lot about sort of internal conflict. Um, and sort of, you know, and, and sort of being, you know, what it's like to sort of be in the head of someone who's religious and sort of coming to realizations. Um, mm. Where do you sort of, 
how did that song come to be? And it clearly sort of tells a story as well. So I don't know if you could sort of expand on sort of yeah. the story that it's telling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there's actually an interesting video that, that that I shot for that for that song. If you haven't had the opportunity to watch it, uh, definitely it's worth checking out. Mm-hmm. It's a song that um, the video was shot by a remarkable. It's a great video. I have seen the video. It's a really California. great video. Yeah. Uh, my brother Cambio, uh, my Mexican brother Cambio, and uh, uh, congratulations to him because he's just finished. Actually, now his career is completely like blown. He's just—he was the director of photography for the new Beyonce project that she oh just released gosh. called Blackest wow. King. Yeah, he's like really gone clear. I'm super proud of him. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's literally a story because um, we all go for these internal conflicts, and sometimes. It's our, our, at our darkest times, it's at our lowest times that we search for hope, we search for God, we search for a different way out. And it's about self-reflection and sometimes how I also feel that um, we're putting through <laughs> something that might be right in front of us and we don't see it. So sometimes when everything is removed from us, then we're able to have a different perspective in things. So, um, yeah, and part of it was, I wouldn't say, like, I mean, the video-wise, the visuals didn't reflect my life, but um, but, um, but um, a, a lot of the story was based on uh, the lives of people very close to me. Um, and just and just to end just to end off um, with sort of a bit more mm-hmm. a bit more fun. One, I think my my probably still my favourite track um, that you're involved in um, is "Say Mashallah," um, which I think is huh. just is so much fun. Um, it's a great tune mm-hmm. as well. What I thought was really interesting about that song um, was that it's sort of it, it's this idea that looking at um, sort of all the material wealth that you get and everything else and saying, Do you know what, this all comes from God. And I thought that was really fascinating because it still sort of used a lot of like hip hop tropes about those sort of, you know, because in hip hop, it is all about, you know, the car and, you know, the, the jewels mm-hmm. and this and that and whatever else. Um, and I think what I, what I really liked was that instead of sort of shying away from all of that stuff, you sort of almost lent into it, um, but then sort exactly. of used it to sort of bring out a religious theme. Was that sort of, I guess that was how the song came to be. How did it sort Absolutely. of? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the person responsible for the dope hook was my brother Khalid Sadiq. He's a mm. remarkable musician who you should definitely check out. And uh, I would definitely recommend to have him on the show as well. Mm-hmm. And he came up with the hook and the chorus. And we were having this conversation about these phys- uh, material blessings that we receive and also being grateful and kind of connecting it with that. This is, this is a blessing. This is, this is something. There's, um, if, there's nothing wrong with working hard to strive to get things material things but also recognizing that that was a blessing from god so whatever you receive you're kind of giving thanks to god so that's what it was about rather than just having and boasting about it for the sake of boasting you know Mm. but more being showing that gratitude you know so and and praising god for that so um yeah it's a really dope song and he also features uh another another dope mc i mean well apart from Khalid which is uh, Kizzy, he was uh, really, really dope as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, man, it was a lot of fun to, 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 to make that song. Amazing. Yeah, I love, I think the best, favorite hear a bit in the video is when, like there's this big, like big check that someone holds up at the side when, when you're rapping. Yeah, yeah. So it was, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was really great. <laughs> it's a great moment. Yeah, um, yeah so like so to, end, to end off, like what, what sort of, what does the, the future hold for you? What, what 
projects are you working on at the moment? Um, and sort of where do you see sort of, um, you know, music and, and, and your music um, going in the future? And what do you, what ambitions do you sort of have um, in London or beyond? Yeah, so I'm currently, uh, this year I've decided to release my music differently. So I'm actually releasing one song every single month. And um, it might end up being two songs a month now. Uh, uh, during this lockdown, I kind of got the material to the facilities to be able to record uh, from a home studio so I can re uh, release stuff a lot more frequently. So it's definitely continuing to connect with the people, uh, putting on different events. I've been hosting a lot of different events. I've been continuing, definitely expanding uh, my work in terms of the workshops and working with uh, different communities and bringing communities to get together. Uh, so um, it's just yeah, it's just enhancement and continuation of the work that I'm, I'm I'm currently doing. Amazing, I love that. So if you follow follow Mohammed Yoyo on Twitter on Bandcamp, you can get you can find out a song a month. That's and that's a guarantee. It's very exciting. <laughs> um, fantastic stuff. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely fantastic to speak to you. Um, no, the pleasure really, really was all great. mine. Thank um, you, and Thank all the you. best, and we'll speak soon. Thank you. Definitely. All right. Amazing. Thank you. So great to have Mohammed Yaya on the show. What a great guy. We're going to end off with Say Mashallah by Khalid Sadiq and Kasim Gray and Mohammed Yaya. Thanks for listening. When you see me say Mashallah, look at my eyes, look at my life. Price went up, say Mashallah. Look at my car, look at my yard. Thanks to Allah, say Mashallah.